Ah, thank you, thank you, thank you. And that was awesome, man. That was awesome. Oh, I'll tell you. And again, I, I, that was amazing. Thank you, Eddie, so much. And I just, I can't help but to say this. But unless you have a praise band and singers who can, I mean, do that, you just, it's incredible. I, our, our praise band does such a wonderful job, and I just want to give them a, a round of applause as well and praise God for them. It's awesome. It's awesome. Hey, uh, we've been in a series on the book of Proverbs, and to kind of start this morning off um, when it comes to the sermon, I have a video I want to show you. Uh, Dave Workman, one of my good friends at Vineyard, he's a pastor at Vineyard, and also um, uh, Manuel Tapson, who is a part of the, the founding of self-sustaining enterprises, uh, something that is, was birthed out of Grace Chapel. I have a video here. I think it was done by the Vineyard, who's a partner in this whole well drilling uh, adventure we have going on, the lives that were changed. Here's this video. Go ahead and show it. think that we really understand the water deal and we just take for granted you and I can walk up to this little shelter house and just get tap water just like that and it's just such a hard thing to wrap your mind around you almost have to see it to believe it because this water is cleaner than the water some of these communities drink when kids cannot go to school and kids just die and families expect their children not to leave it's everything. I mean, it is, it is everything. Without, without that bohol, the number of children that will have died now is unbelievable. So there in the villages now, how, how many wells have been drilled with, our, with the SSE team? Right, right now, uh, 65 wells have been drilled uh, and about 35, over 35,000 people. Uh, are blessed by, by this world. And when we first met, you were telling me how uh, parents would name their children these kind of sad negative names because of the environment. It, will that change? Or are you seeing anything that's changing there? I, I believe there is already a trend, uh, what you could call a cycle of hope.
the grace of God, I am what I am today. Because a Sunday school class in Florida collected change. And that put me through college. They never knew about me. They had no idea who I was or what I would be. You go to these villages, you look at these children. You know somebody there can heal cancer. You know there is, there is a great mind there. And the world will never know what we are missing until we touch this. And when we touch them, they will touch us back. They will change this world. Yeah, absolutely. I just want to encourage you to continue to pray. The USAID grant that we've written through Self-Sustaining Enterprises is in the hands of the Nigerian government now. And that's a good thing because we have good relationships there. Um, it's $1.37 million, and one of the things that we'll do with that money is if, if we get it, if we are blessed enough to get it, is to buy another well drilling or borehole rig. Um, actually, they said 65 when that was made. It's at 109 or 110 now. So you're talking about 90,000 lives there. And I'll tell you what really touched me when I saw this video was uh, didn't even think about the girls walking. I knew they had to walk miles to get water. I knew they were missing school. I knew it was, it was a problem. And the, and the anguish it would take to, to go that far to get water, but the abductions and the, the rapes they talk about that are now non-existent. I mean, if for no other reason, the only reason we did it was to make sure that wouldn't happen, that would be worth all the money that was spent so far on drilling, on drilling uh, boreholes, wouldn't it? I mean, just that? I mean, amen. That's awesome. That's awesome. So please pray. Continue to pray. If not this one, the USAID grant, maybe another one. But God is truly blessing us. We've spent about a million dollars drilling wells so far. And that is truly amazing. Churches, I'll tell you what's amazing. Churches coming together behind this cause to see lives change. Boundaries being erased from all different churches coming together and working together. That was Dave Workman, the, the pastor at Vineyard. I have absolutely no problem showing a video with my friend Dave uh, as a part of what they did, buying that well drilling rig for self-sustaining enterprises, the lives that were changed and the relationships that are built to the churches. God loves it. God loves to see that. In Proverbs 19:17, it says, He who is kind to the poor lends to the Lord and will reward him for what he has done. As we continue our series, Wise Up, in the book of Proverbs, I want to talk about a theme that not only runs throughout the book of Proverbs, but throughout the entire Bible. From Genesis to Revelation, there's a theme that runs through that is so dominant. And that theme is the theme of taking care of those who are needy, taking care of the poor. The scripture tells us that God has a special place in his heart for reaching out for those who, who, are, who, are, who are orphaned, who are widowed, those who are hurting, those who are afflicted. And he urges his people in the scriptures to follow his lead. God draws special attention to those who are hurting, those who are, or who are poor, and he expects us, his body, the body of Christ as a whole, to take care of them. To take care of those who are hurting. He reassures those people who are in need that he is their defender and that he is their protector. And he has stern warnings for those who would try to take advantage of people who are in low positions. Those who are in need. When Jesus preached his first public sermon, this is what he said. 
The spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened to him. And he began by saying to them, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And this was not the last time that Jesus made, paid special attention or drew attention to those who were in need. He, 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 he preached parables about the poor. Jesus Christ would reach out to the, to the leper, those who were considered outcasts in their own culture. Jesus Christ reached out and touched those people. Whenever Jesus would preach, whenever Jesus would teach... The the poor would gather around him. He had a special place in his heart for those who were hurting, for those who were in need. And after his resurrection, the, the church, his church, continued to live out caring for the needy. James taught that when the body of Christ comes together... That there should be no, there should be no special attention given to those who are rich within the context of coming together for worship. No one should be treated differently. No one should be shown, shown favoritism. Especially those who had more, who had higher position. Within the body of Christ, James says everyone should be treated equally. In Acts chapter 6 verses 1 through 6. The early church got together and they made sure that those within their body were taken care of, especially the widows, if there were if there were widows there. And it's interesting we talk about widows, you know, until you go to a place where like another country in our country, you think of a widow. It's really sad because someone died. Usually, usually they're in a position they're taken care of because the husband thought through and get it, got an insurance policy in other countries, especially in Africa. If you're a widow, you can have your children taken away from you by the family, by the husband's family. You can have your home taken away from you. I've had situations where someone, when the father, when the husband died, they took away the mother's home, their own mother's home, and put her in the cooking area, which was, you could, I could reach my hands out and just about take a circle as maybe eight feet around, where, and that's where she lived. Easily, easy for snakes to get in there. That's where they did the cooking, so it really stunk when it, the, the, the smoke smell and everything. And we put a door on there for and I went to her children and I said, you know, maybe maybe it's just me. I don't think so. But if my if my mother, if I took my mother and put her in that situation, I don't think she'd be too happy. And I don't think it's cultural. There you you are believers. You say you're believers. That's not the way you should treat your mother. So so as believers in Jesus Christ, God calls us to take care of the orphan. God calls us to take care of the widow. And that's what that's what uh, Acts chapter six, verses one through six talks about. And then Romans chapter 15 and verse 26, it, it tells that Paul took up a love offering for the poor in Jerusalem. So we see that this wasn't just something that happened once in a while, that Jesus laid the foundation. He taught us how we should live. And then the early Christians followed after him. We need to realize, too, that the commitment of the early Christians was not simply a humanitarian cause like in our culture today. You know, people pick a cause and I pick this cause. And so the Christians back then, they pick this cause. That's not the way it was. It was ingrained in the, in the fabric of their being to follow after their Lord Jesus Christ. Their passion, Old and New Testament, their passion to, to, to minister to and to care for those in need was deeply rooted in the Old Testament. 
Like I said, Genesis to Revelation, this is woven throughout all of Scripture. The only more dominant theme in Scripture is the Messiah and the coming of the Messiah. But there's more verses given to this than anything else. This is the second most dominant theme in all of Scripture, taking care of those who cannot take care of themselves, caring for the needy, caring for the poor, caring for the hurting. In Deuteronomy chapter 15, verses 7 and 8, we see God's command to his people. If there is a poor man among your brothers in any of the towns of the land that the Lord your God has given you, do not be hard-hearted or tight-fisted toward your poor brother. Rather, be open-handed and freely lend him whatever he needs. In Leviticus chapter 23, in verse 22, God gave his people instructions about how they should harvest their fields, even how they should harvest. This is what he says. When you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Leave them for the poor and the alien. I am the Lord your God. Pretty much he's telling them this is exactly what I'm commanding. It's not a suggestion. It's a command. And, and why then are we as uh, those who know Christ in the Bible? New Testament says how much more should they who know Jesus? That's what the New Testament says often. How much more should we who know Jesus be living this out in our own lives? It's not a suggestion to take care of those who are in need. It is a downright command. Now, I want you to keep in mind, we talked about this about two months ago in this series. I want you to keep in mind the difference between what the Bible calls a poor person and a sluggard. There's a difference. There's a difference. There's, I know there's limited resources to go around, and we need to make sure that we understand the difference. And I'm not going to go into it. You can go back and get that sermon between a poor person and a slugger. But let me, let me give you kind of a general rule here. A slugger wants a handout. A poor person wants a hand up. A poor person was put in that position by the, their circumstances, not by their choice. So most poor people are look at just looking for opportunity. They're looking for a hand up. Just give them a hand up and watch out. Give them an opportunity and watch out. So you need to differentiate between a truly poor person in the Bible and a person in the Bible, especially Proverbs, would call a sluggard. You give a poor person, my friends, a shirt off your back. Give them whatever they need. Give them opportunity and watch them excel. Give a sluggard good advice. You tell them, you know what I think you should do? This, this, this. Biblical advice. Lay it out for them. That's the most godly thing you can do to pull them out of where they are, to shake them free from what they've, they've, in, they've... They're in bondage by their own choices many times. And give that person some good advice. Give a poor person, give a needy person whatever they need to, rise, to raise up. Because once you give them what they need, you're going to see incredible, incredible things happen. See, there's no doubt that our God, no doubt at all that our God has a heart for the poor. And, and he wants us, it's clear, God expects us to follow his lead. In Proverbs chapter 14, in verse 21, it says, He who despises his neighbor sins, but blessed is he who is kind to the needy. The Hebrew word for despised means to treat as insignificant. When you have this attitude, you despise. It's, it's like treating someone like they don't exist, like they're insignificant, like somehow you're so much better than they are. To treat as insignificant. We need to treat the poor 
This is what the word of God says. We need to treat the poor as equals, as brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ, as brothers and sisters in Christ. We need to fight the temptation to stereotype people. We need I don't care where you come from, what your background you need. And we all need to do this. Look inside our own hearts, our own motives. We need to fight the temptation, the temptation to stereotype others. Let me give you let me just give you things. You can make distinctions between someone who's a poor person and someone who's a slugger, but that's as far as it should go. And you shouldn't, obviously, even a slugger needs your compassion, needs your help to get them out of where they are. Sometimes you just need a little more tough love than other folks. They need a little bit of tough love. They need someone to tell them instead of just keep it. You know, we give people walk around asking, asking, asking. And sometimes you give money not out of the goodness of your heart just to make that person go away. You know, if I give them a buck, they'll just go away. If you have if you have the heart to reach out to the poor, maybe if you see the same person standing on the side of the street year after year after year, maybe it's time to maybe invest a little bit of time in that person's life to invest some of your own life in their lives to find out their story, why they are there and how can you help them? How can you raise them out of where they are? To become the person that God has purposed and created them to be. So it's okay, we can make distinctions between a poor person and a sluggard, but that's as far as you should go. To see the truly poor, like I said, just need opportunity. Let me give you a couple examples of why you should not just stereotype people in general. Some of the smartest, two, two or three, ten of the smartest people, but one of the smartest people I've ever met in my entire life is a gentleman who walked around barefoot until he was in like third or fourth grade. I've shared a little bit about him. Let me, let me ask you a question. You ever hear of color wonder, Crayola color wonder? Raise your hand if you heard of color wonder, Crayola. You're right on the paper. It only shows up on that. It doesn't show up on the walls of your skin. You've, you've, you've heard of that, right? You've seen it. It's like a $200 million a year type of thing. He invented it, this friend of mine. He invented it. Walking around barefoot. See those kids on there? They're kind of jumping in front of the camera, those cute little kids. You know, some people get the idea, oh, those little kids, whatever, whatever they're you know, maybe they can eat something, maybe they'll grow up and everything, but I don't think they'll be, ever be, have the, you know, the same capacity, whatever. Spare me, people. You know that you know the iron-on stuff where you take the, the transfer paper and you iron it onto your shirt? Eight years ago, the industry said it's impossible to get, that into, to get iron-on those, 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 those uh, transfer paper into 100% cotton because cotton molecules are smaller than ink molecules, and so the shirt, the T-shirt itself, the cotton T-shirt, won't receive the ink, and so therefore it's impossible on a molecular level, blah, 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 blah. You know what? He figured it out. He figured out the impossible. Here's a guy walking around barefoot until he's in third or fourth grade. He figured out the impossible, and that's only a few things that he's been able to do. Incredible what he's been able to do. How many people here speak six languages? Raise your hand. Five. Four. <laughs> when I, I've told you the story before. I'm going to tell it again. Rodolfo, when I first went to Mexico in 1997, I was standing there with him. He's 11 years old. And I said, hey, Rodo, what, what do you want to do when you get older? And he just stood there and shuffled his feet a little bit and didn't, wouldn't look me in the eye. I don't know. Maybe I'll work here in, in the, you know, the children's home or something like that. Guess what? He's not 11 anymore. He, gave, he, was, he was given opportunity. That's all he was given, an opportunity to go to school. Now he wants to get his master's in international business. And he speaks six languages incredible stories. Why? Because someone had given them an opportunity. Opportunity. You think God doesn't make mistakes. 
Emmanuel said on the video, there are, there are children in this village that could cure cancer. They could cure AIDS, all kinds of opportunities. And we sit back sometimes and say, well, the, you know, those, those people over here, they, they're never going to. How, how is that from a biblical worldview reality? Each person was created for a specific purpose by God to do something unique. I mean, I mean just if we, if we show, if we can have like a, a tapestry, if God could show us the tapestry, we'll see it when we get to heaven. And you say, oh, you know, what's the difference between that little kid in Asia or whatever else? He never mounted anything. How's it going? It doesn't affect my life, does it? Well, how many people in your family have died of cancer? How many people in your family have died of all different kinds of diseases that maybe that child could have cured if he was able to grow up? And use the mind that God has given them. See, we can't think. We, can't, we are a tapestry woven together by God. We can't just say this person is insignificant. We can't stereotype and think that this. We have to reach out in love and compassion to those in need. Allow God to use us in a powerful way to make a difference in people's lives. Scripture drives this lesson home even with even greater forcefulness. In Proverbs 14.31, it reminds us, He who oppresses the poor shows contempt for their maker, but whoever is kind to the needy honors God. What does it mean to oppress the poor? The Hebrew word for oppress means to, to press upon, to violate, to defraud, to, to do violence to, to wrong a person, to exploit a person, to crush a person. You say, well, who's walking around crushing people? How is this happening? I mean, I, don't, I would never do that. Well, my friends, it happens all the time. One of the most noticeable ways, this is Jeff Greer's opinion, one of the most noticeable ways that I see this happening in our culture is the criminal justice system. I'm no longer in favor of, of capital punishment. It's not because I, I read through the Bible, I think it's biblically wrong or anything. You know why I'm against capital punishment? Because I've seen way too many people who are on death row who are innocent. And that's not my opinion. That's a fact because now we have DNA testing. And so I'm asking myself, how on earth, did all, not one person or two, what a mistake, but I mean too many. You watch 2020. Right. I mean, how many people on 2020 alone do they have? This person was in prison for 30 years or 20 years or whatever else. So I'm not saying it's un that the capital punishment. I'm not going to argue it's not it's not biblically correct. But I'll tell you what. Injustice is unbiblical to be to, to not be just to not show justice to all. And it just seems to me, again, my opinion it just seems to me that those who are on death row are those who could not defend themselves. So that's why I'm opposed because until the system is put right, then I'm opposed to something that will take advantage of those who cannot defend themselves. Proverbs 22, 22 and 23 tells us, do not exploit the poor because they are poor and do not crush the needy in court. For the Lord will take up their case and will plunder those who plunder them. You know, you and I, I can't change our society completely. We can't change the way that our society thinks sometimes, the way they act. But we can allow the Lord to change the way we live our lives and the way we see other people. Okay? We can change the way. We can ask God to change the way we live our lives and the way we see other people. Proverbs tells us that we honor God when we show people respect, we honor God when we treat people with love and compassion. We honor God when we take care of the needy. That's an amazing thought, isn't it? That we honor God when we, when we serve others, when we're kind to others. Now, I don't think anyone here in this room doesn't want to honor God. We all want to honor God. I believe that. 
But when you ask people, how do you honor God? How would you honor God? If we took, took a poll and we had everybody write it down before this service, a lot of people would say, uh, read the Bible, um, be a good person, go to church. And those are all correct. Those would all be right. All good, all wonderful, all biblical. But there's another way that we honor God, a very important thing, an important way that we honor God. And that is by showing compassion and kindness and mercy to those who are in need. When you see someone in need, you should also see God's invitation to make a difference. When you see someone who's in need, you should see God's invitation to make a difference. When you see someone in need, you should see that God is is calling you to be a blessing to that person. God is encouraging you to be a blessing. When you see someone in need, you should see that Jesus is inviting you to serve him. Proverbs 19, 17. He was kind to the poor, lends to the Lord, and he'll reward him for what he has done. That means literally that when you do something for someone in need, it could be right here in church. It doesn't have to be in Africa or Mexico or, or down the street. It could be right here within the body of Christ, right here. When you do something for someone who's in need, it's like literally giving that gift to God. Like, hear God, hear God the Father. Then Jesus says in Matthew 25, what does he say? Whatever you did for the least of these, you did for me. So when we give our gifts to the poor, when we give our gifts to the needy, when we reach out and touch someone in love, it's like literally giving that gift, that act of service to God, to Jesus Christ. When you're in school and that poor little guy, first day of school, or the the guy who's always picked on, has his tray and he's walking down and he's looking for where to sit and he finds that that little island unto himself, finds that seat, and he sits there by himself and people walk by and pat him in the back of the, smack him in the back of the head or throw things at him or just torment him. When you go and sit next to that person with a few of your friends or by yourself, which would take an act of courage, when you do that, what's going to happen is when you die and go to heaven, Jesus Christ is going to walk up to you and say, oh, John, thank you so much for sitting next to me in school that day. Every day I went to, to school, I sat by myself and you came and sat next to me. Thank you so much. You can say, Lord, when did I come and sit next to you in school? When did it? And and he's going to show you. He's going to show you. He's going to bring it to your mind. And he's going to say, thank you so much. Whatever you did for the least of these, you did for me. That waitress or waiter in in the restaurant who's been tormented or the person at McDonald's or, or Burger King, you're online, you're two people back and there's some knucklehead who's ripping into the guy who's brand new and the guy's so nervous he doesn't know what buttons to push and, and the person keeps on harassing him, making him feel terrible about himself and then you get up there and say, don't listen to people like that. I mean, you t- I have all time in the world just take your time it's all good he's got a problem not you you know you got to figure this stuff out i I don't know i i I wouldn't know how to do it i'd be (laughs) i'd have all kinds you encourage that person you're going to get to heaven and god's going to say and jesus is going to say man when i was just getting beat up you came along and lifted my spirits lord when did i lift your spirits when i worked in burger king or i worked in mcdonald's you came up to me and you changed my day and you could have changed my life You have no idea the power of words. We talked about that a couple weeks. The power of words, the encouragement that we we give to people, how that can have a profound impact on that person's life. When we we have an opportunity to to reach out to someone who's an outcast in in maybe our culture in some way, a person who's been cast aside that no one else wants to bother with anymore, we are serving Jesus Christ. When we have an opportunity to lead the hopeless to the hope that only God can, can give. We are serving Jesus Christ. The Bible is clear when we are kind 
and we are compassionate to those in need. We honor God. We are honoring God. People say, I want to know the will of God. What's God? What's God's will? I don't know the will of God. You know what? You want to know the will of God? Before you understand the will of God, you need to understand what's in the heart of God. What is the heart of God? What is on God's heart? What is on God's heart? The needy, the poor, the afflicted, the oppressed, the lonely, the hurting. That's what's on the heart of God. You want to be in the will of God? Get in line with that. Get in line with the heart of Jesus Christ. Read the scriptures. Find out where he spent his time, how he spoke, who he spoke to. What was his heart behind it all? You want to be in the will of God? You walk as Jesus did. You walk as Jesus is. You take that walk. You live the way Christ lived. If we want to be a church that will transform our, our community, that will transform our world, we need to walk in the footsteps of Jesus Christ and have the same heart that he had. As we close, let me share another example of God's concern for the poor and then his promise to bless those who would take care of those in need. In Proverbs 21:13, we read this. If a man shuts his ears to the cry of the poor, he too will cry out and not be answered. Proverbs 22:9, we read, a generous man will himself be blessed for he shares his food with the poor. There is a blessing that will come. There is a blessing that will come when we take care of those in need. God cares for those who are hurting. God cares for those who are in need. Make no mistake about it. And God wants us to have the wisdom of caring. This is what we're talking about in the book of Proverbs, having wisdom, getting discernment, asking God to give us wisdom. We need to have the wisdom of caring. Those who know their God will live and follow in the footsteps of their God, will care for the things that he cares about. Do you care about the thing that, things that God cares about? It takes courage. It takes time. It takes effort. It takes resources. It takes everything that you and I have to follow in his footsteps and do what he's calling us to do. We should hold nothing back from those who truly need it. There should be no one in our church. In the book of Acts, it talks about how there were no poor among them. Because from time to time, when people were in need, they would sell their lands and they would, whatever, whatever that means for us today. They take money out of their savings, whatever. And they would give to those who were in need and there were no poor among them. They wiped out that pocket of poverty. Within their own body, within their own little, their little world there, they wiped out poverty. They wiped it out. It can be done. It can be done. When someone in this church is hurting, you know what's really cool? I want to encourage you to. I asked, uh, I've been asking for a car and, and uh, two people came forward. One person gave so, some money and another person just gave their car. And it was, uh, it was a special, it was special. This car was special to this person. And they gave that car and tear, tears were rolling when they were given away. But they gave that car that was so precious to them just because someone else didn't have one. Now someone else has a car. So we have another car that needs to be fixed up. We have the resources to fix it up. That's what the body of Christ does. And you all do a wonderful, let me encourage you, you do a wonderful job. God has used us in such the borehole rig that we have in Nigeria. We, the, uh, they, they, uh, the, uh, the fish, the aquaponic system we have, 
They've already eaten lettuce. They've, they've already eaten a, a salad from the, the aquaponics system. Aquaponics is fish farming and, and, uh, and uh, aquaculture as well. Aquaculture and, uh, and hydroponics. Hydroponics is growing plants in water medium. And so you use the water to grow the plants and you grow the fish as well. Hey, you've got to go check out the one back here. The lettuce is starting to grow pretty well. And we have perch in the tank. It's back here. Take a left. It's in our aqua, little aquaponics room for our kids to ignite their imagination. But they're growing as well. God is using us in such powerful ways. The bridal shop is open in Nigeria. They love, they love American dresses there for their, for, their, uh, for their bridal parties and things. And we're using that to, to build a business there to help the poor. There's so many exciting things that how, how God is using us. We sold our second round of chickens from our chicken farm. We have a chicken farm there. I think there's 400 chickens. We, we hired a few people to do that. So now we have given people jobs. We sell the chickens and we use that money to help others. God is blessing us in so many ways. And let me tell you, we're gonna, you're going to have an opportunity, if you would like, as we as the body of Christ, to go to Mexico in March, spring break. I think it's Mason's spring break. From, um, from March the 24th to the 30th. Start praying about this. It will change your life. It will certainly change the lives of the people that you invest in, but it will change your life. March 24th to the 30th, an entire church mission trip. You know, men, women, and children to a certain age. We're going to get all the, the details out pretty soon. But this is a great opportunity for us. I want everyone in this church at one day to go on a missions trip. This may be your opportunity. It is worth the investment, my friends, to make a difference in the lives of people. It'll change their life. Let me tell you something. And God designed it this way. It'll change their life. But I think it'll change your life even more. Let's bow our heads. Father God, thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for the privilege we have to come here and share uh, in your Holy Spirit, Lord. Thank you for the privilege that we have to serve you. And Father, we pray. We pray with all of our hearts. We pray, Lord, with everything in us that each one of us will get to heaven someday and we'll hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. And Jesus will come before each one of us and point out where we invested in the lives, where we sacrificed for other people. And he'll point out to each one of us, whatever you did for the least of these, you did for me. And we will rejoice knowing that we have been good and faithful slaves of Jesus Christ. 